0: Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I did a story the other day about the couple who were burglarizing a house and encountered things they wanted to take but were too big to move, just the two of them. So they called 911 for help moving the stuff. And um, in response to that, I had somebody say, Steve, you're always picking on Florida. Uh, have you know that Detroit's got problems too? Yeah, Detroit's a city. Florida's a state. But, but... I will grant you that many of the things that people point out that Florida man does or Florida woman does do happen in other places. Okay, It's just that it got to the point where it became kind of, I guess, amusing in the media to say, oh, look, Florida man is at it again. But here's a story about a Florida lawyer. Now, some people say, Steve, oh, you're softening this because it's a lawyer. No, no, no. The lawyer did something really, really bad. He just happens to be from Florida. But. Lawyers across the country have done things similar to this. But the headline does say, a Florida lawyer has disappeared while owing people more than $200,000, according to the State Bar of Florida. Stories from the Miami Herald, David J. Neal wrote it. The phone numbers for the Seminole lawyer, including the number at his law firm, are either no answers or busy signals, if you call them. And according to Florida Bar, The firm's trust accounts have $101 in them combined. The problem is that they think there should be a couple hundred thousand dollars in those accounts. Lawyers are required to keep trust accounts if they handle money on behalf of clients. In most states, I've got one. So if I settle a case on your behalf and someone cuts a check payable to me and you, I can put it in my trust account, give you your portion, and cut myself a check for my portion. And those are regulated by the state specifically in an attempt to avoid things like this. So, there are also 11 bar disciplinary matters from clients and medical provider complaints. And that's why the state Supreme Court granted the bar's request for emergency suspension of the attorney's right to practice law. The bar says he has completely ignored at least eight bar inquiries. So, If somebody grieves an attorney, they file a grievance against an attorney, they notify the attorney and say, here, a grievance has been filed against you. Here's what this person says. And they treat it like it's a complaint, like it's a lawsuit. So you have to respond to it. If you do not respond to it, it makes it look like you may be responsible for what you're accused of. So no one in their right mind would ignore those unless, well, there's a few possibilities, but one of them is that you are guilty of what they're charging you with. So... Not guilty as a crime, because it's not a crime, it's, it's a grievance. But, so the argument here is that the attorney has misappropriated client funds and or failed to safe keep client property. That's the bar application for emergency suspension. He's abandoned his practice and clients and has failed to take reasonable steps to communicate with his clients in order to ensure the client's interests are protected. Now, this being the day and age it is, Many of his clients have gotten together on Facebook and compared notes. So the last post on the man's professional Facebook page showed the hills of Asheville, North Carolina. And the last photo shows a mountain bike. Um, The last comments are from angry former clients getting together and an ex-wife who is now a realtor in North Carolina where she says, well, because you couldn't be bothered to electronically sign divorce paperwork or show up to the default hearing today, I had to get a default issued. Now I have to wait 10 days plus because the judge is on vacation on the 10th day. The woman posted that on December 12th, so I had to get a hearing after the new year to finally be divorced from you, and this nightmare can end. So the woman is calling their marriage a nightmare. That's not news in and of itself, but it does look interesting that the man doesn't respond to the grievances filed against him and apparently didn't respond to part of this divorce proceeding. So, if holding me hostage through the holidays and into the new year was your goal, congratulations. You need to man up and face the problems you have created and what you've done to me and others. If you should feel so inclined to make this right, contact my attorney and ask her what you need to sign electronically stating that you're waiving the 10 days so I can next Friday and be done with you before the new year. On December 20th, a woman from St. Petersburg wrote, my insurance paid him $10,000 for his client, but he kept the money. Now his client is asking my insurance company to pay the money again or they're going to go after me. So follow along. Somebody got sued and they got sued by a client of this attorney. So the person who got sued, their insurance company, paid, but the money went to the attorney. But it was supposed to be there on behalf of this person who was coming after the person complaining on Facebook. And so the insurance company cut the check, but the attorney, they say, absconded with it, didn't pay it to the injured party. And the injured party is going, I never got paid. So I don't care what's going on here. I want my money. And they're threatening now to come after the person whose insurance company's already paid this one time. Meanwhile, another person said that uh, the attorney ripped her off to the tune of $110,000. Posted on December 14th, my next call is to the sheriff's office to see if anything can be done to freeze personal assets before the divorce. So that is a couple of the things that he's facing. And I've mentioned before that I'm a member of the Michigan State Bar. And the Michigan State Bar membership, one of the things that gets me is, is a magazine. <laughs> the Michigan Bar Journal. And uh, it's one of the few magazines I get that I still actually read. I, I do get a couple other magazines, but but we won't get into that. And um, the Michigan Bar Journal, generally speaking, has got a bunch of ads in it aimed at lawyers. And it's got a bunch of articles written by people uh, on aspects and nuances of the law in Michigan, quite often on things that are changing or, or you know uh, developing over time, recent cases, things of that nature. I've actually written an article for the Michigan Bar back when um, uh, the Lemon Law got amended to allow lawsuits regarding leased vehicles, because originally the Lemon Law did not cover leased vehicles, believe it or not, when I first started practicing law. So I wrote an article for for the Bar Journal on that. And so, you know, you get the Bar Journal, you glance at the cover to see what the articles inside are about. But if you want to, there's two things that many attorneys go to look for one of which is the section called In Memoriam, and it'll often list attorneys who passed away recently. And having practiced law for 30 years, I've encountered some people who have passed away who I got to know because they were lawyers. So I always check that to see if there's any names that I might recognize. But in the back is the discipline section, and it's usually three or four pages, and it lists attorneys who have run afoul of the disciplinary mechanisms of the state bar. And it will say... Uh, regarding cases that have been resolved, what the outcomes were. So it doesn't say that we've lodged a complaint against this person, but it will say after lodging a complaint against this person, the situation is resolved thus. either uh, you know, we had to go through all kinds of hearings and and this attorney was going to be sanctioned this way, uh, or whatever. and and some of them go further than others and and you know, for instance, I mentioned before that judge who I described as being the worst judge ever. Uh, her case went all the way to the Michigan Supreme Court because the Michigan Supreme Court is the final say on discipline for attorneys. And so an attorney who's being sanctioned by the state bar can just say, fine, I'll take the sanction and and live with it and move on with my life. So the sanction might be a reprimand. For instance, you did something bad. Here's a reprimand. and, And just to let you know what you did is wrong, right? You understand that? And the reprimand might not affect your ability to practice law other than everyone who reads the state bars and go, oh, this person got reprimanded. But if you get suspended for a period of time, uh, that can be quite detrimental to your career. So if you get suspended, for instance, for one year, okay, you say one year, you go, oh, how bad can that be? You've been practicing law all these years, you're going to take one year off. Well, you've got to notify all your pending clients, all the current clients you've got and say, I'm no longer an attorney. I won't be for one year. You've got to find someone else to handle your cases. And that can be quite a hassle as well as an embarrassment. So I read a lot of these just because it's like, you know, it's like reading a list of train wrecks. I mean, and you look at these things and you see some patterns over and over again. And quite often what the attorneys are being grieved for is mishandling of a case. And it's usually, usually someone who got tempted to take a case that they did not know how to handle. And so you'll see it, especially with young attorneys. Uh, You'd be surprised how many young attorneys get sanctioned where it says this person's been an attorney and you can look at their license number and guess how long they've been an attorney. They've been an attorney a couple of years and they got involved in some kind of complex litigation and they screwed it up. And it'll say the person who they were representing, you know, filed a complaint because this attorney screwed their case up so badly And we've examined it, and it looks like they were not competent to handle that case. And as a result, uh, it was something that a grievance is appropriate for. Uh, But the other thing is, unfortunately, uh, a lot of times it's mishandling of money. And so what happens is, like I said before, I've got a trust account, and I settle a case on your behalf, okay? $100,000 case. So whoever's paying that cuts a check, and they often make it payable to you and me jointly. It's a common practice because they don't want to get in a situation where money gets sent to me and the client says, I never got it. Or they send it to the client by accident and I go, I never got paid. So they put both names on it. And, and some people find that odd, but you know I've been doing that for 31 years and most people understand when I explain it to them. So the check comes into my office, into my possession. And I call my client and I say, I've got a check in my possession for $100,000. Okay. It's made out to you. It's made out to me. I want to put that in my trust account, and then I will cut you a check for your share and a check to me for my share. And by the way, I tell them what all these figures are so it's not like surprises when they get the checks. They say, not a problem. So the client can come into my office, sign the check. I sign the check, deposit it into my trust account. I ask the bank how long this check clears. They tell me. And then on the day the check clears, I confirm that. And then I cut the two checks, and I call my client back up and say, yeah, I got your check. You can come pick it up or I can mail it to you. Depends how big it is. Some people say mail it to me. So there you go. That's how it works. But that's how it's supposed to work. But unfortunately, some attorneys will just get the check and scribble on it and deposit it, not tell their client that the money came in, and then use the money to pay some bills with the hopes that some other case will settle down the road and be able to make up this one. And then you wind up backing yourself into a Ponzi scheme. Basically, because you need further settlements to pay the previous settlements. But of course, that is totally, totally wrong because the money's not yours. As the attorney, you simply have it in your possession because you represent the person to whom it belongs. And so a lot of attorneys get in trouble for that. The other one I should probably mention is, is at least once per issue, I see an attorney who got in trouble for a drunk driving offense. And believe it or not, it doesn't matter what the crime is. Any crime an attorney is found guilty of will affect their ability to practice law. And every single time, almost every single time, you see a story and it says, this attorney, this bar number in this city was uh, arrested for DUI, first offense, second offense, whatever it might be. And that case got adjudicated. They were found guilty or they pled guilty. This is the sentence they received from the court, and this is what we're going to do to them. And that often results in discipline as well. But to disappear, fall off the face of the earth, while owing people more than $200,000 would be a very serious problem. But one question that some people are going to probably ask themselves is, would it be possible to disappear and and go on the run, so to speak, with just $200,000? Like, like if I gave you $200,000 and I said, <clears throat> if you can disappear, fall off the grid, and this $200,000 is the start for you, could you do it? And the question is, how long would that last you? You know, so two hundred grand no. Now, I've seen stories about people who've been working someplace and a couple million dollars disappeared, and so did the person. And you go, oh, now I think we know what's going on here. two hundred grand, I don't think that would get you very far. I don't think that would. So if I had to guess, and I am speculating here, the guy's disappeared simply because his world was caving in and he knew that there's only so much he could do to stop that. But whether he took the $200,000 and skedaddled to start a new life, uh, I don't, don't think that quite makes a lot of sense. So I suspect we'll hear about this guy popping back up on the radar. Uh, and right now his ex-wife <laughs> might want to have a few words with him. But so do some clients, and I feel very bad for them. Some states have got funds that uh, people contribute to through their bar dues and so on that they use to pay off um, victims of things done to them by other attorneys. Uh, But the problem is that quite often the dollar values are so high that the funds can't handle it. So there's the Tom Girardi case out of California where they're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars that they would like to find that they cannot find, and there's not enough money in a fund to take care of that. So, you know, there you go. But for 200 grand, we'll have to see what happens. Ed sent us to me. Thanks a lot from the Miami Herald and David Neal. A Florida lawyer has disappeared while owing people more than $200,000 according to the Florida State Bar. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. By and large. Language is a tool for concealing the truth.